Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Oh, wow, I got cold shields. I told him, I said, I think now that I've got me a new favorite song. I like that one. That's, that's it. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. The book of Ephesians is, as Paul, letter of the Holy Spirit of God, is writing to the church, is how the church body uh, absolutely honors the head who is Christ. Colossians is just the opposite. The head uh, is talking to the body. So now we're seeing that as the body of Christ, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to live our life in the newness of God's forgiveness and God's love. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. I'm going to begin reading with verse, uh, let's see, 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making medley in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you for loving us, and thank you for being such a wonderful, all-sufficient Heavenly Father. And now, Father, as your Spirit has come to strive in our hearts, I pray, God, that you'll speak to every one of us and give us courage to make commitments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. The focal passage, of course, is Ephesians 5, 18. Uh, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of the Heavenly Father. And now as Paul is speaking to the Ephesians, he's giving us a real contrast, a dichotomy, if you will. He's talking about what it's like before you're saved and what it's like once the Spirit of God comes to live in your life. He's talking about the two lives that we've lived. Uh, one, we've lived in the flesh. Now we're to live this life in the Spirit. For example, he says this in verse 17 of chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way it is with us since we've learned Christ. Because now we put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There he's drawing the line. He says, uh, do, you, do you remember how it used to be? Of course, now, a lot of you grew up in the church. A lot of you had Christian families, and that's wonderful. But some of us didn't. 
You know, I don't think I ever went to church till I was about uh, consistently till I was 26, uh, around 26 years of age. Now, let me just take a quick survey. How many of you give your life to Christ before you were 20? See, that's going to be always in a Baptist church, most of the people. But now I fall in a different category. I do know what it's like to be on the other side. I was at the seminary one time, and the professor was talking about uh, a situation in his church to the class. And uh, they were talking about this person and that per- what was going on. And it, it wasn't a pretty scene. And this uh, preacher across the aisle from me turned to me and said, that man, is sad. I don't even know how to relate to that. He said, uh, how do we relate to that as, as uh, men of God? How do, how do we give them direction? I said, well, unfortunately, I can relate to them pretty well. Uh, now, I don't want you to think that I was a mean, mean, mean person. I wasn't. But I do know what it's like on the other side, and a lot of you do too. And I'll tell you what, I'm so delighted that on Easter Sunday morning, 1967, that Jesus Christ came into my life and gave me not only the forgiveness of my sins, but a whole new direction in life. Thank God for His wonderful grace, His forgiveness, and His Holy Spirit. In a most recent survey by George Barna, George Barner reveals that in 66 different lifestyle categories that Christians and unbelievers are pretty much the same. Isn't that amazing? It it seems like that somehow our walk is not maybe as clear as it ought to be or as committed as it ought to be. So in 66 categories of life, George Barner has found that Christianity and the secular world in which we live have kind of amalgamated. You can't tell us apart. Christians no longer really have a credible voice like we used to have simply because of that mixing of lifestyles. Listen to this. We lead the civilization in murder, rape, abortion, and incarceration. That was written by Kay Arthur. Do you know Kay Arthur? Precept upon precept. Now, she came out before a lot of these other people came out. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever want to read a book that's biblical or get a tape, uh, ladies or men, that's really biblical, you get something by Kay Arthur, and I guarantee you it'll be very conservative and it'll be good. Our culture and our country is collapsing. Ruth Graham Lutz, that's Billy Graham's daughter. Man, those are hard statements, aren't they? They're very difficult for us to not only understand, but to receive. Our culture and our country is collapsing. Wow! Man! Do you believe that we need a revival in our nation? Do you really believe that somehow we need to get back to the, uh, the old religion? Somehow we need to get back to absolutely being unashamed to share the good news of Jesus Christ. In antiquity, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, Listen, if there was only one prayer that I could pray, it'd be this. God, send the church, men and women, who are filled with the Spirit and from fire from above. The one thing that Charles Haddon Spurgeon prayed for during his lifetime in England was that God would send men and women who were on fire with the Spirit and were unashamedly sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in their walk of life. There's only one hope that we need to have, 
And the hope is simply this. The hope of being filled with the Spirit of God once again. Amen? It sounds simple, but here's a very important question. Do you really want to have a Spirit-filled life? The Spirit-filled life is a commanded life. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. Incidentally, that's a command. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. Wow. What a command. Now, how can we be filled with the Spirit? Does that mean that sometimes we're not filled with the Spirit? Does the Spirit come and go? No, it doesn't. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God comes to live in your very heart. We're going to see that more plainly in just a moment. He's going to be in you. He's going to be with you. But listen, folks, the more we listen to the Spirit of God in our heart and the more we direct our life in the ways of His wisdom, the more we're going to look and act like Jesus Christ. We can be filled with the Spirit. He's not going to leave us. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But sometimes we can act like uh, we're not really Christian. Is that right? Sometimes we can just be bad. And sometimes we can forget uh, the love of God in Jesus Christ. It, it should be momentarily because the Spirit of God should convict our hearts and we ask for forgiveness. But we're to be filled with the Spirit of God. There are three things that happens when Christ enters into you. When the Spirit of God comes into you, you ask Him, God, fill my cup, fill me up. Now, incidentally, uh, God doesn't come uh, in increments. He doesn't. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Lord of your life, He doesn't come in power, and then He doesn't come in person, and He's not divided. He's not a dichotomous or a trichotomous God. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Lord of your life, you've got all of God in salvation. You know, He's not going to piecemeal Himself to you, but He's going to tell you this. In order for you to live the Christian life and be victorious, you're going to have to make sure... You bring the cross up to date daily in your life and that you absolutely deny yourself. Jesus speaking to the disciples, uh, deny yourself. Follow me. It's hard to deny ourselves, isn't it? It really is. It's hard to deny ourselves in just even menial things. Have you ever tried to go on a diet? Have you? I'm on three right now. And somebody said, Brother Roddy, why are you on three? I just can't get enough to eat on one. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, it's just so hard to deny yourself. But that's what we have to do. And so when the Scripture says deny yourself, that's an imperative. We have to understand that it is the same power that forgave us our sins that helps us to deny ourselves. We have to say, God, give me grace. Give me grace sufficient to meet this need. God, give me grace. Help me to deny ourselves. He enters into our life, 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? He comes into your life. He enters into your life. He's there. He's never going to leave you. You know He's there. You have a conscience if you're a child of God. You know He's there. Don't do that. 
Listen to me. I, I, I get intrigued every once in a while listening to Dr. Stanley preach. Uh, I've, been, I've heard him preach for ever since I've been a Christian. But he'll, he'll just be preaching. He said, now listen to this. You ever heard it? Now listen. Now listen. And uh, that's just one of his uh, sayings. But it's so true. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit who has entered us. And then secondly, when the Spirit comes into your life, not only does He enter, He enlists us, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, He's also going to enlist us. That means we're in God's army, amen? Once the Holy Spirit's come to live within us, uh, we're part of the body of Christ. We march to a different tune. Uh, we have a different allegiance. Our allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our pilgrimage is here, but our citizenship really is in heaven. Amen? It's in heaven. Now also he empowers us, Matthew 28, in that great commission, Jesus said, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. That word authority in the original language is exousia. And it combines power and authority. All exousia, Christ says, is given to me in heaven and in earth. He comes in. He enlists us to be consistent and walk in the Spirit. And He empowers us. Oh, man, He's, he's always going to give us the right word. He's always going to tell us the right thing to do. He's always going to be there with us. Be filled, imperative mood. Listen, present tense, plural. Now listen to what that means. That means that present tense means now. Right now you need to be filled. Are you filled? That's an important question, isn't it? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? That simply means have you given your life up to Him? Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to make every decision right. But it means are you filled with the Spirit of God? Can people with whom you associate... See the difference that Christ has made in your life. That's so important. The Word God teaches that the Christian is to be filled, a commandment. And it's plural. That don't mean just the preacher, and it don't mean just the deacons, it don't mean just the Sunday school teacher. That means all of us. Every one of us who've been born again in the family of God, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. It, done deal. Is that hard to understand? Now, when we're not filled with the Spirit of God, that doesn't mean the Spirit of God has left us. It just simply means that we're listening to our own self. This is a long word. It's called propensity. When we don't listen to God, then we have a propensity to do things ourselves. Man, I'll tell you, we all struggle with that tension. We do. So now we understand that everyone is to be continuously filled. That's awesome. Every day of our life. I try to do that sometimes before I get out of bed. I try to say, now, Lord, uh, today I want to live a life that would be pleasing to you. That's a simple prayer. If I don't do it in the bed, I usually do it in the shower. I love my shower. Do you take a shower in the morning? Oh, God, thank you for my... I always thank Him. I even talk out loud in the shower. When I grew up, I didn't have a shower. Did you have a shower? No. Uh, sometimes I had a number two washtub. 
you know. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's like old Jerry Clower said. He said, I didn't know that me and my family were so up to date. He said, we use solar energy. We'd fill that washtub up and drag it out in the sun before we bathe. You know, I'm just telling you, folks, uh, when you are in the Spirit of God, you live in a state of thanks living. You really do. You just thank God every day. Present tense. God, I want to be your boy today. I want to be your girl today. I want to be your woman today. I want. To, I just want people to see that you've made a difference in my life. Give me grace sufficient to meet my needs. May your Holy Spirit come and take control of my life. Now, the Bible says he only comes one time. There's one baptism. There's one sealing. Ephesians 4, 5 and Ephesians 4, 30. There's one baptism, one sealing, once forever. God comes into your life. Bam, that's it. And he said, nobody can... Take that away from you. Not even you. Amen? When he comes into your life, you got him, and he's got you. More importantly, he'll never let you go. Jesus said, you think you're strong. Listen to this. I've got you in my hand, but beyond that, my Father's got you in my in his hand, and no one can snatch you out. No one can take you out. It's just awesome. It's just awesome to think about that. Oh, once forever. Thank you, Lord. I, I want to I live for him consistently. Sometimes I mess up. I really do. Uh, I'm not really perfect. Uh, Linda thinks I am. Sometimes. You know, nobody's perfect. But all God's perfect. Amen? We live in his perfection. We are dressed in his righteousness. We have the peace that comes to us from the Lord Jesus Christ himself indwelling in our spirit. Oh, that it changed us. It born us again. We're a family member of the household of God. This is awesome. Be filled every day. Man, just, just say, God, okay, I want you to shine in me today and I want, I want less of me and more of you. You remember when John the Baptist came, when Jesus, they saw Jesus coming, and John the Baptist said, I just want less of me, more of Jesus. Oh, yes. There's a contrast that he's making once again about worldliness and godliness. And he uses the word drunkenness or debauchery. That's just what he's saying to contrast the worldly walk with the spirit-filled walk. Incidentally, some years ago, and you probably read about this, and if you hadn't, you can get on the Internet and uh, you can look it up. This is a true story. There's a man out in California had a little bit too much to drink. Have you ever known anybody to do that? Had a little bit too much to drink, and so he and his buddies went to an Army-Navy store, and he got some weather balloons from the Army-Navy store. They blew them up with helium, and uh, they just had this awesome idea and they tied him to a long chair. Uh, and he sat in it, and they finally got enough of those balloons wide enough and started rising up. And they had a tether, but somebody forgot to tie it to the fence. And as he rose up, it just kept rising. Well, they decided uh, that they would give him a BB gun to shoot some of the balloons if he got too high. 
and he could come down. Well, he found out that the BB gun wouldn't penetrate the weather balloon. It would just bounce off. So his BB gun was worthless. Well, here's what happened to this guy. You know, when you're in the world, here's what he's contrasting you. You don't think right. Your wisdom is not right. Your knowledge is off. He's just saying, this is going to be fun. There's nothing to this. Well, he rose up a little over 200 feet. The wind caught him and pulled him right into the glide path of landing aircraft at uh, the airport in California. Can you imagine listening to the pilot coming in? L.A. Tower. Yeah. This is heavy, too. Heavy, too? What? Man, you're not going to believe this. What do you see? Oh, there's a guy in a lawn chair. Uh, come on, what? You know, that's the true story. You know who rescued him? The Coast Guard. And the way they rescued him is they got above him in a helicopter and the downdraft pushed him down low enough to where he could be caught. I guarantee you one thing, when he got out of that lawn chair and stood up, he was sober. <laughs> and probably swore he'd never do that again. All right? I don't know what happened to him after that, but that's a true story. You can read it on the Internet. It's documented. I used to know the man's name, but I forgot it. I'm just going to tell you now, Paul is contrasting how stupid the world is in relationship to lifestyle and the wisdom of God. Man, if you stay over there, you're just going to make a fool of yourself. You know it? Eventually, that road goes nowhere. It is a cul-de-sac. But if you stay filled with the Spirit, good things are going to happen. Well, Paul is saying this, and this is, this is really what he's saying. Do you believe it's sinful to be drunk like that, enough to tie balloons to a lawn chair and get in it and tie yourself to the chair? Is that, is that stupid and silly? Yes. Well, do you believe it's wrong also for us not to desire the fullness of God in our life? Many, many, many churches have been hurt by Christians who are not really spirit-filled and not they're just carnal. Just like Paul said in First Corinthians chapter three, you know, I would like to address to you as adult Christians, but I have to talk to you as carnal, as babes in Christ. You have once again adopted the characteristics of lostness. And you know what happened to that church? It was divided into four camps and then eventually went away. I've been over there to that site in Corinth many times, and there's nothing there. There's no church there. Carnal Christians can not only divide a church, they can destroy a church. Be filled with the Spirit. Here's an interesting uh, metaphor. The word filled is uh, a sailing metaphor. Now, Paul knew about ships. The word filled means that the sails come out in the ship and man, if the wind don't fill them up, it doesn't go anywhere. You just get in the doldrums. So he's once again contrasting a ship with sails up in the doldrums with no wind blowing. You just sit around there. And man, there's a place in the, out way up in the North Sea, uh, the doldrums up there. It is so bad that sound doesn't even carry in those places. And then he says, oh, listen, be filled. Let the wind of God blow into your soul and into your spirit and move you. It's just awesome when the Spirit of God fills you. You have wisdom, understanding, 
and sound judgment. God's always going to go that direction, amen? He's never going to lead you astray. The Spirit-filled life is also a committed life. Listen to this. Do you really want a Spirit-filled life? Do you? Here's an important question. Do you want a Spirit-filled life so you can use God? Or do you want a Spirit-filled life so God can use you? Oh, a very important question. You know, a lot of people say, if you if you got God, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to do this, 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 and this. Well, wait a minute. A- anyway, all the gifts of God, if you start researching that, man can't just get a gift from God on his own. The Bible says that God is the one who gives gifts, and he gives them severally as he wills. So anything that comes from God comes from God. You just can't will yourself into a gift from God. And, and another, another fallacy I want to straighten out right now is that uh, uh, if, if somebody says, if you become a child of God, you've got to have this in order to prove it. Wrong, burn. What you have to have to prove it is a lifestyle. Amen. A lifestyle that emulates the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he said? If you love me, you will what? What? Hey, that's how you tell a Christian. Amen? If they love the Lord and uh, they love everybody else. Love your neighbors, you said. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The Shema. Out of Deuteronomy 6 comes all the way over to the New Testament. Jesus said, as the lawyer tempted him, Oh, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, You know the law. You know how to read it. You're a lawyer. Let me just give it to you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says, uh, And your neighbor as yourself. And he says, All of the law and the prophets hang on these two. I'll tell you, that's, that's how people know who you are. That's how people know when you're filled with the Spirit. When you're actually willing to live a lifestyle that's different. I mean, we don't, we don't have to be different for different sake. We have to be different for the Lord's sake. And, uh, you know, He's not going to change us and make us into somebody that we're not. But uh, you're not going to go around hitting people in the head with a big blue Bible. You're just going to be a child of God on fire with the love of God and excited about God and just live a consistent life. Oh, listen, you're going to be uh, filled with the Spirit. You're going to change the way you walk. Ephesians 5, 2 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for it. You're going to change your worship. Y'all have already done that. I'm so excited about that. Listen. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That that covers everything. That covers hymns. It covers the old rugged cross. It covers in the garden. It covers uh, all the songs that we sing in the Baptist hymnal. And then it covers all the new songs, songs and hymns and spiritual songs, the wonderful Bible-based songs that we have in our choruses. It does. It covers the whole spectrum. And I'm glad we do that. I really am. 
Some of you probably had a problem with that. I'm, I'm telling you, probably some of you had a problem with drugs. I remember when I was a young boy. Listen, young preacher boy. When I say that, I was in my 30s. Uh, people would say, oh, the preacher's using that canned music. Do you remember when we started using tape to cut him up? Because we didn't have a lot of accompanists in the church. I was in a little country church over there in Macon by the chalk mines. And we used that, and they had a call deacons meeting. Dropped, pulled me in on the carpet. Said, who said you could do that? I said, me. And they said, we don't like it. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. So let me tell you what I did. I went over to Mercer University, and I got an ensemble, and I asked the choir director over there how much it would cost to rent a celloist and how much it would cost to rent a percussionist. And I got all of that, and I figured it all up, and I put it in a portfolio, and the next deacons meeting we had, I passed it out. And I said, we're going to have special music in about three weeks, and I want us to get this ensemble to come and play for us. Uh, and they looked at me and said, Preacher, you're out of your mind. That cost us upwards of about $400. I said, I, I got a $3 tape here. And they looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate. They got the message. And they said, hey, you know, maybe it ain't so bad after all. I'm telling you, change is tough, but I'm glad y'all are changing. I really am. I love musical instruments, amen? I, I just do. Uh, Lake plays the banjo and mandolin, and Archer's going to be a bass player. And I'm telling you, we got it. I can, I, I can play the harmonica, can I? Well, she hadn't been able to recognize anything I play, but <laughs> I know what I'm playing. The interesting thing is, is that when the Holy Spirit of God comes on you, it changes your worship. Now, I know that, you know, I know that some of us had a real struggle with all that. But hey, man, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It really is to be able to, to sing, Are You Washed in the Blood? And then turn around and sing, uh, He's my Lord, Lord of all, Jesus, Lord of all. You know, and oh, Lord, I just love that last song they sang. I don't know who wrote it, but I sure do love it. And I, I'm just telling you, uh, when the Spirit comes on you, it changes your walk, it changes your worship, it changes everything about you. Dr. B.B. McKinney, who's great music director, has got many hymns in the Baptist hymnal, taught at Southwestern Seminary. And he was speaking, and he said this, I won't never forget it. He said, if the Spirit is in your heart when you sing, your face will look like it. But he said, I want to tell you something, folks. It looks like that many of you are from seeing, seeing. He said, you look like you're in prison, you know. So smile and enjoy it, amen. And then remember, you don't have to audition to sing in God's choir. <laughs> you just don't. God listens to your heart, not your voice. Then thirdly, your life will be one of thanksgiving. In Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always to the Lord for everything. And then fourthly, your witness will change. Submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence for Christ. In the old King James translation, that says, submitting yourselves one to another, the fear of the Lord. That word fear is for boo 
And the ESV really hit it on the nail. I mean, just hit it right there on the head. The word means reverence and love, formoo. So it's out of reverence and love for Christ that we love each other and that we submit our life to each other. It is. And that we're to esteem each other better. Oh, man, when we start living like that, we'll be magnetic for the Master. Did you know that? When we are more concerned about each other than we are about ourselves, God likes that. He, re- he really respects the idea and the lifestyle of a person who is other-oriented in their thinking. It's just awesome. It's just awesome. The Spirit-filled life is a controlled life. That simply means uh, your life, basically, can be controlled. You say, wait a minute, that sounds like a robot. No. Have you ever made a wrong decision? Have you ever made a wrong turn in life? Have you ever said something you wish you hadn't said? You just can't take back words, can you? You can say, I'm sorry, but it's already done. You just can't do it. You can't take back some things. And, and when you're controlled by the Spirit of God, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but I think it's going to give you pause before you hurt anybody intentionally. I believe it's going to give you pause before you do something that's not respectful. It's going to give you pause before you do something that's worldly. So the Spirit-filled life, then, is a life can be controlled by the Spirit. You say, is that possible? Yeah, ask Him. Do and of course, it's just, just wonderful to live like that. Amen? It is. Now, you know, since I married Linda, I've become, uh, I've become a better man. Let me tell you how. Uh, she tells me how fast I can go. And uh, I, I want to tell you something. I want you all to listen to me seriously. If you go through Oxford very fast, you're going to get a ticket. I didn't get one, but it seems like every time I go and come, these little Oxford police are paying for their cars because they got somebody pulled over. You know what the speed limit is out here in front of the church? It's 35. You better go 35. All right? I'm just telling you, uh, the Lord wants us to do what is right. And He says, you know what? Here's how you used to live, and you was on your own, all right? Have you ever been on your own? Yes, most of us have. And as an adult, when I was on my own, I made some really interesting, stupid decisions. I really did. I was on my own, and I just made them, and they were not good. And he says, now, over here, you're on your own. But I want to tell you something. When you come over here, and you get born again, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Lord of your life, you're not on your own anymore. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you no matter where you go. I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you or forsake you. I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to be there. I'm going to be the stable spirit in your life. Now, He says, let me fill you up. Let me fill you up. One evangelist said one time, Oh Lord, as he was writing in his memoirs, he said, Oh Lord, I've lived my life praying 
for you to fill me up. He said, is there room in my life that I have forgotten? Is there anything in my life that needs to be cleaned out? Oh, God, fill me up entirely. Amen? Would that be a good thing to pray? Lord, just fill me up. I'm going to trust you because when I trust me, things just don't work out. In a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. If you're here, you'd like to be a part of this fellowship, uh, you can come and join. I know that probably some of you have been coming for a while and you've never moved your membership, but it'd be a great day to do that. If you're here this morning and the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart in any fashion, you can rededicate your life right where you are. You say, Father God, I'm giving you my life. I'm going to give it to you as best I know how. Here I am. Take me. Feel me. You can do that right where you are. But if you'd like to have special prayer, if you'd like for us to pray with you, you come forward. If you've accepted Christ and you've never followed Him in believer's baptism, it would be great for you to come forward and say, I've accepted Christ and I do want to follow Him in believer's baptism. That'd be awesome. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for this time together and just enjoying your presence, your spirit, your power, your word, and fellowship. Thank you, God, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for his glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at oxfordbaptistchurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.